up, Almighty God, that we desire to worship you with clear, with clear hearts and clear minds. Lord, may the meditation of our hearts, meditation of our minds be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Uh, forgive us, O God, of our sins, O God. Reveal to us, Lord, our hidden faults, that they may not have mastery over us. So that you be glorified, that you be magnified in how we worship you today, we pray. Amen. 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 This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for joining us here, right here today. Thank you for joining us right where you are live. And we welcome you and encourage you to worship and fellowship with our God a little something like this.
Amen, church. Amen. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen. Let's lift up his holy name. Amen. Amen. This morning, the pastor is going to be preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the love chapter. He's going to preach about complete, complete love is growing. Complete love is growing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you're able to stand in mind of God's word, you may do so. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a changing, clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought as, and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and what? You with me? And the greatest of these is what? Amen, church. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name. Lord, we know that there is none like you, Heavenly Father. Father, you are the creator of the entire universe, Heavenly Father. And you know all about your creation, Heavenly Father. Father, for you know everything about each and every last one of us. Heavenly Father. Father, you are a merciful and kind God, Heavenly Father. Father, we give thanks unto you for your faithful love endures forever, Heavenly Father. Father, we honor you, we praise you, we magnify you, Lord, for all you've done, what you're about to do, and what you will do, Heavenly Father. Father, we just come to give you thanks. We come to give you glory, we come to give you praise, Heavenly Father. Not unto us, not unto us. Give any praise and glory, but it all belongs to you and you alone, Father. Father, right now, please touch in this sanctuary, Lord. From the front of the church all the way to the back and side to sides, Lord. Help us right now to just focus and concentrate on you, Heavenly Father. 
Father, let us think about the good things you've done, how you have blessed us, how you have kept us, how you have sustained us, Heavenly Father, and we thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless, Father, every song that will be sung and every prayer that will be prayed. Please bless the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to go forth all across the land that it changes us from the inside out. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen, church. Amen. Amen.
Paul addresses in the previous chapters the diverse gifts of the church. But the greatest gift is love. This love is no ordinary kind of love. This love is amazing and this love is a gift. This love does not change based on what happens to you. This love is always the same. We know what love is because God first loved us. This love has been expressed to us through his only begotten son. And from that we get a glimpse of heaven and God's awesome power in our lives. I want to highlight something for us and spend a little moment here that God has created us as social beings. And as social beings, we thrive off of social interactions. And the better the social interactions, the more we want that interaction. I'll talk to somebody here. And here's what happens is that sometimes we're not aware of that our brain is releasing hormones. These, these brain hormones, these hormones secreted within the brain nervous systems and having a number of physiological functions. They are peptides which activate the body's opiate receptors causing the energetic effect. And I apologize for all those nice scientific words, but let me break down the energetic effect. Basically means it relieves pain. Mm. Anybody here want to have less pain in their life? Well, you need to release these endorphins that can reduce the pain. And tell your neighbor, that's love. See, when you love somebody, it's going to make your brain reduce those positive endorphins. You're going to feel better and reduce pain. Hence why when people visit people in the hospital, they get better faster. And now, let me preface this, don't get mad at me, but not everybody makes them feel better. Uh, Moving on. Your love for one another will prove the world that you are my disciples. That's what Christ says in John 13, 35. So tell your neighbor, love is what matters most. Paul points out, if you go back with me from the 13th chapter, stay with me, stay with me. Just go back a little bit before that in the 12th chapter, verse 31. It says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. This is after he's talking about speaking in tongues. This is after he's talking about prophecies and apostles. He's pointing out that God has given us miraculous and fantastic gifts. Uh, But I want y'all to understand that don't be seeking after these things. But one thing is attainable for everybody. Y'all catch that? That one thing is attainable for everybody. Everybody may not be the, have the gift of prophecy. Uh, they may not have the gift of tongues. Uh, they may not have the gift of healing. But yet you have the most important gift that you can use. And that is love. This is what Paul points out with me. Y'all with me now? We get into our text. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels... But didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That is so eloquently put together. Another uh, lyricist, artist, better known as James Brown, said, Talking loud, but saying nothing. 
That's what he pointed out. If I had all these gifts, but he didn't understand what I was saying, I, I said nothing. Another common term I people say, using a word salad. There's a whole lot of words together, but I didn't cast the meaning. I'm trying to pick out what you said. Then he goes on in verse 2. Y'all still with me? If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. I want to highlight here, Jesus says that many will come in my name, saying, Father, I healed. I raised the dead, and he will say, depart from me. I do not know you. But it's pointing out, you may be able to do some powerful things, but if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you equate to nothing. I don't know about you, but that's one thing I get upset when I get, feel, when I get made to feel like I am nothing. But when I feel like I am somebody, I want to be around those people. But when I'm reduced to feeling like I am nothing, I don't want to be around those people. Paul was pointing out in verse 3, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love us, I would have gained nothing. He's pointing out to us that love is beyond just doing action. A lot of people do some philanthropists, some benevolent actions. But do you understand these terms we talk about benevolence and philanthropists come from the word love? So they are loving actions, but they are lacking love. Mm. Y'all been there with somebody, right? They're doing something nice for you, but they're not being nice about it. You should be happy that I'm here. That's not loving. Yes, your accent is nice, but there's something missing. Eh? And that, that's what's missing in our world today, that as long as I do the accent, my attitude should not matter. But yet, your attitude does matter. Because your attitude still is impacting me, though it may not be physical, but emotionally it's causing stress upon my body. Going back to the brain is reducing some endorphins. When I get those negative stress, my heart rate gets a little bit faster and I start feeling sick and I'm feeling hurt. I might lose my appetite. I don't want the meal anymore. Anybody been there before? You sat down hungry, but their attitude changed your appetite that you no longer want the food. And you get up and you leave the restaurant. So I'm not paying for this. It's amazing how hatred and animosity, these negative, impact us. But the same way how love and kindness and gentleness impact us affirmatively and make us feel better. Loving acts, when they are expressed with a smile and a gentle touch, and, and they're not done with scoff and grumbling and complaining, these define what God has expressed to us, what love is. Love is constant. Love is continuous. Love never loses its value. Value is set and is stable because it's defined by God. As we talked about last week, God is love. And since God our Father has set the example of what love is, and he expressed it in the greatest expression of all in his only begotten son, that he showed us for how much he loved us, he said, I love you this much. That's why we continue on looking in this text about what love is. Is. What is love? Glad you asked the question. 
Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. Think about what love is. Notice that it points out that it is patient. The first part, it is patient. Remember I said that when you're mad at somebody, when you start reading this out, it might be hard to read with that. Oh, I got to be patient with you, Daniel. <laughs> it's going to remind you that God is patient with us. There's a text that tells us that God is not slack. But yet, he will give us grace for time of repentance. But he will judge us. Judgment will come. Oftentimes, we want immediate justice for those who harm us. But we want God to say, you slow it down on me. But here's the thing, that God is consistent in all places. God's reign and his love reigns on the just and the unjust alike. I thank God that he is not like us, that we judge based on our emotions. And we know we can go high and we can go low. But God stays consistent because he is perfect. He is not going based off emotion. He's going off his justice. And he is always right in his judgment. And so when you are patient, catch this, catch this. When you are patient, you can be upset with somebody with good reason, but yet you can endure it with a smile. Mm. Love is kind. I, I, I say this with people all the time, that you could be angry and still be nice about it. We live in a condition now of the world that you have to show somebody how angry you are. So you got to use angry words. And when you use these angry words, you let them know how angry you are. But yet, the Bible tells us that in Proverbs 15, that our harsh word stirs up wrath, with a gentle answer turns away anger. When we can be angry, but yet still be nice and loving and kind, we can change the atmosphere. We can change the circumstances. We can take it from going to being a big explosion in a car wreck to being a time of reconciliation and healing and a positive solution coming out. But yet I got to choose love. When I choose love, I realize that I acknowledge I am upset, I acknowledge I am injured, but I'm going to choose to do what is right. The challenge that we have in loving people is that when we love people, we can't make them love us back. It's hard to love somebody who does not love you. Y'all quiet on I'm going to say hard. <laughs> Thinking about somebody, you know, I've been nice to this person. They're just never nice to me back. But keep on keeping on. Keep on showing them what love looks like. Because one day they're going to remember, like, this person was nice to me. This person was kind to me. And I was rude and I was mean to them. Love is not jealous. That means that if someone gets a promotion, someone gets something that I desire, I won't be scoffing and be hating on them, try to point out how they don't deserve something that they have. But instead, I'll try to congratulate them and encourage them and celebrate with them, even though deep down inside, I wish it was mine. 
Y'all see what happened there? I got to choose to show the kindness. I am upset, but I'm going to choose to do what is right. This challenge we live in life that people oftentimes want to act out how they feel because they say, I don't want to be fake. I don't want you to be fake either, but I want you to be nice. Y'all quiet on I can be upset, but yet I can realize that it's not about me. I got to get over myself and be able to help somebody else. Some of you might remember Jesus. Y'all remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was praying. Three times he prayed this prayer. Lord, if this could pass over, but not my will, but thine will be done. Showing his inner conflict of what he was going through. But he understood that I got to go through this pain and this suffering for the betterment of my people. There's times in our lives that we got to endure some things. Love is patient, love is kind, and not be jealous. But then on the flip side, not to be boastful or proud. Don't be bragging about how good you are, how great you have it. And yet find out that as soon as you lose it, you're not as good and great as you thought you were. And be mindful that people you think that love you, right, that might be lifting you up, will also be proud to be your Paul bench and carry you out. Be careful how the song says they'll smile in your face, but all the time. <laughs> Y'all know the lines. <laughs> so be careful who you are always trying to appease and make them like you when you're not doing what God's called you to do. Be mindful that love is not fake, it's not phony, it's genuine, it has good value because God is love. That means that I will be patient, I will be kind, I won't be boastful, I won't be proud, I will not be jealous. And here's another thing, it does not demand its own way. Another way, the point about does not demand is basically that it's not prideful in the point that it makes it, I got it's my way or the highway. A lot of people use love manipulatively saying, if you love me, you do it my way. Well, that's not love. Love means that I do what's best for everybody, not what's just best for me. New Living Translation has the next part that is not irritable. Another way it says not provoke. What's basically pointing out that it's not going to cause disruption. There's people in our lives we know that don't love them, that they just want to cause disruption. We have another term for them, we call them instigators. They just want to irritate and cause stuff. They don't have the positive things to say, but they want to point out the negative. You can have a great presentation. They can say, well, the page numbers are wrong. Thank you for, for pointing that out. I, I appreciate that. Right? They, they will point out the minuscule thing they can have just to irritate. And here's the thing. They don't know they're doing it. They think they're helping you out by pointing out what is wrong. That's why you can point them out to say, hey, what was good? You don't have to be mad at them to ask them, so what did you like about the project? Or what did you like about that? And give them opportunity to know what love is. And now, as they squirm and hurt, they're going to see how hard it is. That's right, but keep all love. Say, when you think about it, come back and tell me that too. All right, I appreciate that. We show people out of love by letting them know that I will not allow you to provoke me and irritate me, but I'm going to be kind and nice and patient with you even until you get it, or I will, you'll never get it, but I will never stop loving you. Because love keeps no record of wrongdoing. This challenge for us about not keeping a record is that you don't have to fool your brain. We 
sometimes people have come this part about love, about not keeping record of wrongdoings, about how when people forgive somebody, it means that I, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. And that's fine. Here's the thing about how you never want to forget it, because your brain is good. Your brain should work that way, you still remember stuff. And therefore, if you remember you forgave that person, then every time it comes up, you're going to remember, your, oh, I forgave them for that. So you may not forgot it, but yet you're going to remember, I forgave them for that. So let me not keep record of wrongdoing. That means the next time I get in an argument with you because I love you, I won't bring up what you've done wrong. I'm going to share something. If you love somebody, you're having an argument, and you might have arguments, and you might have dis uh, disputes in your relationship, there's a way to fight fair. One way to fight fair is that you don't bring up what you already know they did wrong. Because then you're going to win every time. Well, remember that time? Oh, there you go. Yes, I, I remember that time. Now, now we're going to spend time on that issue, which has already been passed, and now deal with the issue at hand. Love keeps no record wrong. Think, imagine if God, every time you came to him in prayer, said, before you get to your prayer, let's remind, let me remind you. How often would you go to God in prayer then? I ain't going to spend no time because I, I ain't got all day, God. <laughs> Please tell me everything that I've done wrong. But I'm so glad that God says you can boldly come to me and confess your sins. I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So which means that you can go back in the annals and tell God, but God says, I already know about that. You were the king, you gave me, you got a new one, bring it forward. And we're going to move forward with grace and mercy and love. The psalm, the, the, God says, the psalm says, He separates the sins as far as the east is from the west. The psalm 103. He separates the sins as far as the east is from the west. And you know, the east and the west never meet. They never meet. So God will remove us and cleanse us and make us white. And then love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth or justice wins out. This is the tricky part is that we want people to get what we believe they deserve. Or oh, I hope they get that. Serves you right. But yet, in love, and we, we, love will help us to have empathy and realize that what if that was me? I don't know what that person is going through. I don't know what they might be dealing with in their life. And so may we pray, Lord, have mercy on them. And verse 7 tells us, love what never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Love wins. It never gives up. Here's the other thing about hope. When you have hope, you expect to get better. That's why when people come by to visit them and they sing, get well soon cards and just give you blooms and flowers, it's encouragement of hope, of a hope that you get better. And that hope encourages, inspires people to work hard and to get better. Imagine how when people just get a smile on their face when you come by to visit them in the hospital. They may, they may be tired, but when you walk in, all of a sudden, their kindness gets better because they're happy to see you. And so that's the joy of hope, of knowing that i got people that love me, that care for me. I'm a, what greater hope do you know that our God, our Father, loves us every day of our lives? Love makes us whole. Love makes us complete. It completes us 
And the finishing touch of this love that completes us is that God is in us. Oftentimes we limit love because we limit it in relationships and only when things are going well. But yet love by God means that I love you for who you are. You are my children. You are my creation. And he also knows that we have some issues that we're going to mess up, that we're going to have trouble, but yet he is patient. He is kind. He is not just. And you see how all this works out when we understand what love is and how God expresses that to us than how we ought to express that to one another. But yet when we understand these gifts, this gift of love that God wants us to express, Paul is pointing out now, you're getting caught up with the wrong things. The church is fighting amongst each other about who has the greater gifts. And that's why he shifts back his focus to them in verse 8, where he says, Love never fails, but where there, is, there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will what? Pass away. And so we understand the living translation, which is prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last for how long? Forever. When you understand that love never fails, don't get caught up about how you can do this when you don't have love. How much more do we see? And this is the challenge we're having in our world today, right? That people want to use this terminology to defend themselves. Say, I am a Christian. And so that's my defense. I could not have done that because I'm a Christian. All right, great. Uh, so you could not have done that and you are a Christian, but yet you are not being loving. So equate that to me, right? Show me how being rude to somebody cannot be misunderstood because you're a Christian. Tell me your hatred towards somebody cannot be misunderstood because you are a Christian. See, people will say we are a Christian all the time, from day to, to sundown, and yet their actions do not reflect what a Christ said. They will know you, you are modestized by how you love one another. So if I love you, then I won't mistreat you by the color of your skin. I won't mistreat you because of how you smell or what you dress or how you look like. But I will show love towards you because of who you are. You are an image of God. You are born by God. You are made by God. And so understanding this, then I will love you because it says, I shall love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength. Right? And then I will love my neighbor as myself. And my neighbor is anybody. That's why Christ made it very clear about the story about the Samaritan. The people that you despise, the people you don't like, the people you don't get along with, you ought to love them. And it was him that showed love to one of you. So when we understand what love looks like, we break barriers. And that's when we see unity and we see people coming together and having reconciliation and healing. Because of love. But yet, when we don't express love, this is when he points out that we only know it in part. Because all the other things will end. Prophecy is going to end. Uh, speaking in tongues is going to end. But what's going to remain is love. The earth will pass away, but God will remain. And God is love. So everything else will pass away, but what will remain is love. So when we look at verses Nine. I'm sorry, look at verses, yeah, verse nine. So, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. That we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And know, and now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? The summer child I gave was that love complete is growing. And the maturity level he's pointing out here is that we should be growing in love. If I'm growing in love, I'm becoming stronger in love. I'm becoming wiser in love. I am able to express love better now than I did in the past. I understand that this gift of love, everyone has access to this gift in the body of Christ. And so one place the church should be known for is to be loving and accepting. So the time someone talks about our church that is not kind, is not patient, it is, it is uh, jealous and it is ruthless, all those other things, then we need to make sure that we need to get right. And we can say who it was, it might be me. So what can I do to make sure when I walk back in my fellowship that I'm loved? Now, I'm expressing what kindness and goodness looks like. That I go out of my way, make sure if I see someone that I have not recognized, that I am kind to them, I am gentle to them, that I'm expressing them what love looks like. While we're here on earth, as we get to know better, we should do better. When Paul talks about that, he's talking about how love should grow, not from a child, but to full maturity. So when I got, got mature, I do mature things, and I throw the childish things away. And we... And we see it as a child, right? A child, when they were, once they recognize the word mine, and they see a toy, mine. But as you start teaching that child how to share, now they say, do you want to play with me? They learn to share. The first instinct is mine. But when you show them maturity, what love looks like, they share. And then they get other kids playing with them. They're knowing myself. And it gets exciting. They say, hey, mommy, can I go play with so-and-so? Why do they want to go play with so-and-so? Because so-and-so plays with them. They share with them. Make them feel better about themselves. That's what love does. Love should grow in a mature way in us. We should be mature in our behavior and our actions. And so when I think about, again, about the brain and our function, I'm going to talk about some of these endorphins that come out. Uh, serotonin helps balance the mood and promote feelings of well-being and reward. And one way to increase this is to be kind to others and yourself. Spend some time outdoors, exercising, and eating a well-balanced diet. Another one the brain solution is endorphins, and your body's natural painkillers. They help you overcome stress or discomfort. And this one says suggests to help increase that is spending time outdoors, exercising, ever heard of runner's high, meditating, and laughing. And then dopamine, also called the feel-good hormone. It plays a role in feeling happiness, pleasure, and reward. And you can increase this by showing love and affection, spending time with friends and loved ones, sharing a laugh, and listening to music. These are scientific studies pointing out how the brain feels better by doing these things. But yet, modern science is only catching up what God has already told us. 
If you want to feel good, well, come and worship me. Y'all quiet on me. The dopamine said, sing music. Well, well, don't you feel good when you sing music and praises to your God? Then it says about the serotonin and endorphins, about going outside. Don't, don't the song tell you the earth declares of his glory? <laughs> the trees proclaim his name. The birds sing of his praise. So when you go walk outside and look at the stars and look at the splendor of our God, don't you feel like, man, God, you are big? God, you are amazing. Don't you feel better when you can just sit back and enjoy how good God is? And so you understand, when I understand what love is, God has already given us the remedy of how I can make my life feel better. I don't need to go and buy a feel-good book when he already gave me the good book. When he tells me to love him with all my heart, all my mind, and all my strength, I feel so much better. It does not mean that people are going to treat me better, but I'm going to learn to treat them better. It does not mean I'm not going to have bad days, but I know through all my bad days, I know that God is good. It's going to let me know that what I used to do, I'm going to grow and mature in love. When you look back in the text, it says we'll see it face to face. You understand what he was talking about there? He was talking about how I'll see my face better. He said I saw a mirror of a flesh. But then when I see it face to face, I'm going to see him. And so what he's trying to highlight that we should be reflecting God. Oh, y'all didn't get it. Y'all should have been shouting a little bit louder than that. Because God wants us to be with him. And so when he comes back, he's going to change us so we will be like him. So what he's saying that when we see him face to face, I'm going to see me in him. Because he made me like him. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to get us on the way. I just need somebody to shout with me celebrate. How, how, how we can't make it like this. This, 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 this mortal got to put on immortality. This person got to put on the imperishable. John said that we don't know what we will be, but we'll be like him. Maybe, maybe, y'all, maybe y'all didn't know who him is. I've been using the pronoun. Maybe y'all didn't know who I'm talking about. All right. Um, um, him. Is, is referring to God the Son. Uh, God the Son, Matthew pointed out, came down 42 generations uh, from King David. King, king David um, was the anointed king by God uh, to have a throne with no end. And, and the people were waiting for a king to come that had no end. And, and this king did not come with power and authority, but Isaiah pointed out in Isaiah 51, he came as a suffering servant to die and never to be defeated in death. And so this him I'm calling the Son of God, we know as Jesus, came and died on the cross for our sins and said how great he loved us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son to whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can I backtrack and say believe in him? These three things will last. Faith, hope, and love. When you believe in him, you got hope in him. If you believe in him, you got faith in him. If you believe in him, then you love him. And so if you know this, then you have eternal life. And then when I see Jesus, it's me, I will see him face to face and I will be, be like him. So Paul is pointing out that when I get grown up, when I get made like him, then I can see my Jesus face to face and I can say amen. All my troubles are done. All my problems are done. When I see Jesus, I want you to understand that it was by the love of God that we made it this 
fall. We've been whipped up. We've been beaten, but our head is unbowed. Because we can lift up our head and say, Jesus, you are my precious help. I trust in you. When I grow in his love, hit me with your best shot ever. You can knock me out. Because there's something inside of us that's greater than anything that's outside in this world. Better see that's in me than he that, oh, glory be to God. When I call on the name of G, I feel better. Anybody here just want to feel better? Let's just say, Jesus, you're going to feel better. You're going to read these songs and don't feel good. Our God is good. Just say, Jesus, you put a smile on your face and know that God is good. And all the time, God is good. Please say, Jesus, you know he's your rock. He's your sword and shield. He's going to bring the help in the time. Because it's giving us a taste of it right now. For how we love one another. Let us pray. God, we just thank you. How great is your love towards us. Father, help us continue to grow in your love. We want to continue to mature in your love. Father, help us, oh God, to remove those things that are not of you. That we want more of you. More love. More power, more grace, more mercy. Fill us up, O oh God, with all that you have. And Father, we just thank you for just you being God all by yourself. That your love never fails. And Father, there might be someone who does not know Jesus. But today, Lord, they want to know him as a Lord and Savior. Today they realize that I need Jesus. Lord, we ask you bless them. That they may join this fellowship. They may be looking for a church home, but we bless them, we encourage them to join this fellowship. Where we can grow with them, disciple with them, and commune with them, and celebrate the goodness of your work in our lives as we continue to go out building a better community for your glory and for your honor. So, Father, continue to move in this place where we pray. Amen. And as you today decide to give your life to Christ, you decide to join this fellowship. Uh, we want to have a moment of time of offering. You're welcome to walk around the time of offering. You can see one of the us as the deacons to share with them how you want to join this fellas. We want to welcome you here uh, in this place. Whoever, whoever will, let them come. Let's prepare to give God his tithes and our offer. Let us pray. Father, we freely give back to you what already belongs to you. We ask the blessings who have died again, but yet have not. But yet, Lord, we thank you that you are able to reward and bless and supply all every need. So, Father, bless with this gift for the building of your church, the kingdom. For the evangelizing the lost and the holy, the, the naked, the Lord, and feeding the hungry. Help us, O God, to be more ministers into this kingdom. In Jesus Christ, the Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is second Sunday, and the ushers going to come forward, and, and this Sunday they're going to recognize the scholarships um, as well. This second Sunday, you're welcome to give an offer to the second, uh, to this us. Uh, now, let's go for the scholarship fund and the offering. 
Amen. You're welcome to bring forth your offer right here in the box. If that's you today, uh, that looking for a place to church to fellowship, check out our deacons and us up here. Amen. We have the welcome to this fellowship.
ask for his grace and his mercy. Amen. We thank for the Spirit of the Lord moving in this place. Amen. We have someone that came forward. Amen. So we want to celebrate what God is doing. Hallelujah.
the Cypress of the Fellowship, and I want to thank that man, our sister uh, Gloria Dixon, and the ministry that got together. We continue to try to get back together again and get our program account together. So please be mindful of the upcoming emails and information about what we can do to continue to build this fellowship. Uh, we, we, we claim to reestablish after we made it through the pandemic. Amen. We on the other side. So let us, let us celebrate and move forward with the power of God. Amen. 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 Let us sing and prepare for the benediction of God's salvation.